Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. Sunderland are back in the swing of things. They beat Gillingham 2-0. We're going to talk about that and we're also going to talk about the uh, upcoming game at home to Ipswich. We're at the stage of the season now where the games do start coming thick and fast. And you don't mind that when Sunderland are winning. Joining myself and Gareth Barker tonight is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. You okay, Phil? Yes, not so bad, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. That's uh, definitely going to get your opinion on what, what seem to be touchline tantrums, shall we say, <laughs> uh, as a way, as a way of... It will, will, it'll be good to get your your um, sort of thoughts on that because obviously you were there and you could see it uh, unfold. Um, and we obviously couldn't see it just watching through the stream as we're forced to do. So we will get on to that. And again, as I said, we'll talk about the Ipswich game. Um, and we'll just try and rush through this really tonight because we've got quite a lot to talk about. So um, we'll start by changes to the lineup then, as always. And I think a lot, a lot of people, Phil, were very critical of Phil Parkinson and, in particular, um, his post-match comments after the Rochdale result, where he was suggesting he was happy with what was a dreadful performance. But he's made four changes, so that that's doing his talking for him, I guess. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think the the Rochdale one was a strange one, isn't it? Because I know you've spoken about that game before, so I won't go on about it too much. But, you know, it was one of those strange ones where Sunderland had a certain level of dominance over the game without creating much, did they? And, you know, Parkinson's comments obviously drew some kind of derision after the game. But as you mentioned there, his, his lineup spoke for itself, didn't it? Because he, you know, he brought another forward into the side and he switched things up a little bit. And that as of itself, was kind of him, you know, admitting that the performance had not been what he wanted. Um, I thought it was a pretty sluggish start to the game. I, d- I thought Sunderland were pretty poor for 25, 30 minutes. Shocking, shocking um, they were for the first 20 minutes. Well, I think it was one of those where I think sometimes you can almost get sucked into playing the opposition's game and it was one of those where, you know, there was just fouls being given away all the time. It was all about set pieces. And actually, when Sunderland actually started to get the ball down, um, probably 25 minutes in, that was when they started to actually create some opportunities because, you know, Gillingham are a, they're an all right league one side, but I don't think I would put it any stronger than that. Um, and once Sunderland actually started playing, they started finding gaps and that's when you saw, kind of, you know, the likes of Scowan having a couple of decent opportunities. So, yeah, it was um, the first 20, 25 minutes were pretty, pretty bruising to watch for all concerned, I think. And the but weather, disgusting as well? It was just like, the, the first 25 minutes was just bleak. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was no other word for it. The football was bleak. The weather was bleak. Everything about it was bleak. Um, but we came through it. We came through it. <laughs> well, we did. Um, and, you know, you have to win. You have to win ugly, don't you? Um, and before we get on to the decision that, that, that turned the game, you you mentioned there giving away a lot of free kicks, Phil. Now, was this indiscipline on our part or was this diving around and calling the referee on their part? A bit of both? I think it was a little bit of both. I thought Sunderland made it too easy for Gillingham to play their game in the opening half an hour. I thought the opening half an hour suited Gillingham perfectly because Sunderland were getting rattled by the referee's decisions, so they were arguing with the referee, and that was in the dugout as well as on the pitch, which was taking time out of the game. Um, To be fair, for all Gillingham had a load of set pieces early on, they didn't really do much with them. I thought Sunderland actually defended the set pieces really, really well, um, to their credit. (coughs) But yeah, I think it was a little bit of I think it was a little bit of both. I thought Sunderland allowed themselves to get sucked into a game that they were never going to win really. Um and then they had to kind of get over that. Yeah, I mean we we did that a bit last year. 
uh, didn't we? In 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 the previous way, more so under Jack Ross, definitely, um, kind of getting, you know, too easily wound up, you know, by the opposition, you know, time waste and all that, especially at the stadium and like, I think we've been a bit cleverer, but the the game was just a little bit, um, spicier at the weekend, wasn't it? They just had that edge to it. I think I don't know if it was just because the because of the weather and. You know, people sliding about, and then obviously the you've got the Steve Evans factor, and then you know a few naughty little tackles that maybe one is given and the next one isn't for the other team, and it just kind of all escalated. Obviously, with the sending off in the second half, um, but it was in a way I was quite pleased to see us not get you know bullied. I think there's there's different ways to do it, and I think like you know Lyndon Gooch. You know, screaming at the referee's face and getting himself booked for dissent isn't the way to do it because they've won. The way to do it is kind of to be clever and nasty in the way that the opposition are doing it to you and get them annoyed and then get them having to go back um, and be clever and the dark arts of the game and all that. Don't make it obvious. Um, and I think, you know, we had to tough it out. Um, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying about we got the ball down and played better and when we did that that was great but it was interesting the first half I think there was a little passage of play where um, Scorn had found a popular space and I think it was all nine and McLaughlin gave the ball it was feet and then he tried to move it on and gave it away and then he turned round had a go at the defender and pointed like up as in like hit the ball in the air to White because White was just ahead of him and I thought we don't need to do that we don't we don't need to to knock the ball into the air and for White to flick on in that situation. You're in space, you're more than comfortable of taking that ball and <clears throat> using it well and, and creating opportunities for us to move forward more effectively and you know, we're much more comfortable when we've got the ball at our feet than we are when the ball's in the air. We'll come on to Scowan in, in, in a minute. Um who was the guy for Gillingham who was diving all over? Phil? Was that Dominic Samuel, Samuel was it? Was it Samuel up front? Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice him being any worse than anybody else. Well, I, I think the yeah. reason I'm saying mm. I'm seeing him because they, they, they were all doing it. You're right, but I think the when I thought the referee appeared initially to get a grip on the game was when he did a ridiculous theatrical dive, which was the worst of the lot, and the ref wasn't buying it whatsoever. And I thought he's finally he's finally figured this out here. I think, um, but then of course the the, the the penalty came, which which. Which well, we'll ask about that now. Was that a penalty for everybody? Because I think that was very what, harsh. Bears? Not n- yeah. Never in the world was that a penalty. And speaking as a, as a defender, over. it is very hard to do, didn't even to, touch to, to not put to not him. put your hands up or anywhere anywhere near the opposition player. That was really soft. That Phil, how did you see it? Um, that was about as far away from where I was sitting as it could possibly have been. <laughs> so I'm probably not the most reliable. I mean, have you not seen it back? I've I've not seen it seen it back. I mean, it was one of those at the time. I straight away thought penalty, um, but I, to be fair, I was too far away. So yeah, of, but you would say that any time somebody goes down the box when you're at the ground, probably wouldn't you? But from, I, the, dis- it, from the distance, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we'll tell you, Phil, it wasn't a penalty. Well, no, no chances that a penalty. No chances that a penalty. I think ours was soft too, but I think yeah, the, well, the, yeah, I, I think that was time, the... the first time I saw ours. I was like, not a penalty, and then when I saw it again. Um, it's a clear trip. He stamps on, he stands on White's foot and sort of trips him over. 
Um, so it does. It was. I thought at first there was two soft penalties there, and then when I watched it back, mm. did think I was was. Um, well, t- t- I mean, talk about slide and doors moments, and 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 the, you know maybe dramatic to say that was that was one, but it could well turn out to be, and then in that. In the penalty miss, Phil, or the penalty save, if we're going to give Burge credit, it was a, it was a Mingan penalty. It was a Mingan game, and it was a Mingan penalty, and it was an even more Mingan follow-up um, that I think was at Samuel who blasted into the ground and all yeah, the bar. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but that was a massive turning point because we were talking about getting wound up by the Gillingham players, but they lost their head and, and went down to ten men quickly after that, and it all just changed. Yeah, I thought it was um, it was an interesting one because. I thought Sunderland, when that penalty came, regardless of whether it was a penalty or not, it wasn't against the run of play. I thought Gillingham had started the second half much the better side. Um, and it is an interesting one because, you know, Parkinson spoke after the game about, you know, how this showed, you know, how far they'd come from a year ago when they played this game, when he said, you know, they hadn't played, there was no composure. And I thought that was true to an extent in the terms of they created some chances in the first half. I thought they did play quite well when they went down to 10 men, but I did also think, you know, it wasn't, a million miles away from being a very similar game to that one last year that they lost and if that penalty goes in you know it might well have gone down that route so it was a strange one where at the end of the game I think you're looking back on it and saying well that was pretty kind of gruesome at times but I thought they deserved the win on balance of play you know over the course of the 90 minutes but definitely that that penalty was a big moment because I thought Gillingham were on top at that stage I don't think Sunderland were were at it at all at the start of that second half I mean in the game itself we missed three Absolute sitters, mm. you know, scoring yeah. as, as two that like he blazes over the bar, and then O'Brien has that one at the near post where he's about four yards out and contrives to scuff it wide. Um, a scout, and let's well talk about a scout the first scout one because that was before that was in the first half, wasn't it? So that was before the penalty. And like Danny Graham at Charlton, we can't be, I refuse to believe other sides are missing these chances. Like open goals from five and six yards, it can't be happening. When you see the goals the other teams are racking up, we can't keep doing this, can we? It just can't keep happening because we're going to get. You know, well, we didn't win a Charlton because of it. We got away with this weekend. I mean, looking at it from a positive point of view, at least you're creating the chances. But come on, professional football is missing from five yards. This is insane. This is not just League One, Phil. Is it? This is this is poor. I think cool finishing. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting point as well because like just in terms of the broader of where the team's at as well, because Scowan and O'Brien for me are, are kind of in similar categories where I quite like a lot of what they do in the game and I can kind of see what they bring. Um it's more so Scowan, I think, who I think had a, I thought he played really well on Saturday. He did, I thought he did his, have a good game. I thought yeah. his energy was great, he made really good runs into the box, but it's very, very hard to pick them ahead of say Maguire or you know another striker not that Will Grigg will probably ever start again by the looks of things at the moment but you know what I mean these you can see these players are bringing something to the team but when Sunderland are the way things are and these chances they keep missing it becomes quite hard to carry them I think it becomes quite hard to justify keeping them in there because you know O'Brien I think he's a decent player and I think he brings something a bit different but you know and it's strange because that goal against Aston Villa kids was such a good finish he obviously, you know, he's obviously not a poor finisher because he took that goal so well. But you know, he has missed quite a lot of chances from close range now, and that makes it tough to kind of justify keeping him in there when you've got other options. He's missed. We just jinxed. We're forward. We're jinxed. Again, it's all about you know bringing Grigg into the equation again. I can't remember Will Grigg having the quality of chances in. 
15 games, say, that he hasn't scored, um, that he's missed, if that makes sense. Because Griggs, like, what, well, he scored about four or five goals for us. Um, but he wasn't getting, like, loads of chances, whereas O'Brien's had... I mean, he's had, like, had some couple of sitters against Oxford. He had the one on Saturday. He had the one against Hull, where he's cleaned through on goal and dragged it. Like another goal's width wide, wide of the post. Um, you know, it's it, it does make you sort of wonder, like you say, feel like you know, Will Grigg probably never start again. And <laughs> it's weird how like O'Brien's become like the the go-to change option where. Like from the start of the game, and you just think, well, he's not really, he's not really done anything to justify that opportunity, um, but he keeps on getting one. Um, whereas Griggs had like one goal basically this season, being binned after sixty minutes, and then he never gets another goal, and it just sort of, sort of, quite sort of funny in a way that he was about to come on, and then we got the penalty, yeah, it was and he was scored, that. and he was told, right, go and sit down again, and that was it for him. I just thought, like, that is. Just sums it up. He just can't get on the pitch. Um, well, I thought mm. I thought even more like sort of tragically comical was the Charlton game where he yeah, finally gets on and Sunderland are battering Charlton and all of a sudden from nowhere the first foul of the game Flanagan's off and he's basically at right back and you just yeah. think oh it's, no I, I agree though and it's you know as you say Grig was going to come on Saturday which I guess is a caveat but I do think the way when I watch this team I, I do think there's there's room for Grig. I, I don't think you would lose so much defensively within that system I really do think that there's a way of getting Grigg in this which I know that's a bit of a tangent from what I was talking about before but I just think moving forward yeah I do think they can find space from in this system I really do well I mean we, we're in full agreement on that I don't think we need to keep banging on about it because I think we're, we're, we're preaching to the converter because I think most Sunderland fans will, would agree with that we're, I mean, creating, we're creating it's frustrating more chan- it is. we're creating more yeah. chances than we've ever created well this created. is what I'm saying yeah well, this is what I'm saying we, we, yeah we're creating them it's not like you know it's not like we aren't creating chances yeah. the, 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 the standard and quality of finishing is absolutely shocking and you know I don't want to sound I don't want to go full da. But if you're scoring, you need to be you need to be staying back on the training ground and just asking some youth players to tee the ball up to you uh, on the edge of the box and working on, on your finishing. On the edge of the six yard box or the edge well, of the box. But not but, on the, but you don't because he's getting the chances and they're, they're gonna come to you. And you need to be working on it. He was going, bit, I mean he, he might was, he might be, he might be, but I just find it hard to believe. It's, it's he, was like, un, he was a bit unlucky with that um left footed effort that he had where he cut inside <clears> and, and sort of on the edge of the box and kind of drilled it just over the bar. That was a good effort. Um but if he'd score the other two, you'd be saying, oh, well, if he'd put that one in, he would have had a hat-trick and everyone would have been saying, you oh, he was unlucky. Whereas now with that miss in isolation with the other two, just looks like he can't hit the target. Um, so it's a bit, you know, they'll, they must be frustrated about it. Um, you know, that they're getting these chances of not scoring. Um but it will come back to we've played nine games now um, I'm trying to think have we scored more than two in a game in in the league mm, I don't know I don't us, think we have have we I was on the spot there don't think we have yeah so you know given the chances that we have apparently top of the uh, XG table or whatever it is um, we're, we're def- definitely not by the way I don't know where that's come from oh well there you go <laughs> they're, they're, they're up there the top, it was a load of rubbish 
They're, well, they're, um, I was going to say we've always well, missed that, yeah. so we're not going to start being hypocrites and start like they were fourth mm. before Saturday's game. They were fourth in the XG table, top oh, for wow. the XG against, but fourth. Um, anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So, Sunderland have scored twelve, <laughs> Gareth, in nine games. Yeah, so you know it's which is the second lost in the top six. Yeah. So, but with it, you do feel as though it will come. But you know, you got a you got somebody who is a proven finisher at this level, and probably the most prolific striker at this level in the last <coughs> well, last five six years, isn't he? I mean, it's undisputable given the amount of goals he scored. So it just seems a shame that we're creating the chances and. Maybe if he was in there, if he gets two of the decent, if he gets two of the ones that score, and I know he's a midfielder coming on the ball. And some might say, well, he's not going to find that himself in that position, but you know, he might be able to sniff some opportunities out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah. it feels like we have the same conversation. Yeah, we like do. We'll get off the Greek tree. We'll get off the Greek tree because it's repeated say, content. There'll be people <laughs> bellowing at us, going, he's saying he's crap and he doesn't deserve yeah. an opportunity and all that, but. Based on this season, what what I've seen, there's no way that O'Brien should be getting as many consistent opportunities as he is, comparatively, with the amount that Grigg has had. Based on pre-season as well, where Grigg has looked very bright, it seems just a, a bit of a waste. Yeah, indeed, and I'm sure we'll have the same conversation after the next game. Um, you mentioned earlier, Phil, and said that we, we you know, Gillingham winning a lot of free kicks, it was obviously a tactic of theirs. Um, that they you know worked to good effect, but they weren't really doing anything with them. And I think generally speaking, we we limited them as you've said. And and you know this was more like what we were used to at the start of the season with our defence, not giving the teams opportunities to even create chances. So, what do you think was the key point of us getting back to that? Because we were shambolic against yeah, Rochdale, I, and I, we were poor against Portsmouth. I don't. I don't know. It is a strange one. I mean, Rochdale, I think, are a much better side on the ball than Gillingham are. I think that's the first thing. Um, but it, I think it, it was just a little bit more aggression. I think there was nowhere near as many crosses coming into the box um, as there were in certainly in that Rochdale game and the Portsmouth game. They were much better at sort of stopping them coming in at least from dangerous areas. You know, if you look at the crosses that were coming in on on Saturday from Jordan Graham, especially who was their main kind of outlet. You know, they, they weren't particularly threatening balls because he was always off balance or he was being pushed onto his wrong foot. So I thought, the, especially in the wide areas, the defending was much better. I think Sunderland looked an awful lot better with 9 at right wing back um, and Conor McLaughlin at right centre back. Yeah. I think McLaughlin <clears throat> looks absolutely fine to me at right centre back. I think he does a perfectly good it's job. The there. Only place, it's the only place in the team I would ever play him. Um, but but he, thought, does look good, he does look okay there. Yeah, I thought he, he did look, fine on Saturday again. Yeah. Um, you know, just did the basics well. 9 had a good game. I thought he headed away a lot of crosses, a lot of free kicks. I thought he did well. So I think that was. A, I think the blend was was much better in that sense. Um, you know, Flanagan obviously <coughs> gave the penalty away and I know he'd given the ball away um, in the build-up to that, which was unusually sloppy from him. But again, I thought, I thought he looked... Um, pretty solid so yeah I think just the blend of that back five was, was much better than it had been probably in the previous couple of games but I think you're right and it just and it just highlights going back to the Rochdale game the the you know the or was it the Portsmouth game the decision mm. to to sort of put on nine left wing back and move things around like that it was 
it was uh, sorry, oh nine cent and a half, and it was crazy, wasn't it? But you know, it, you know, he's, he's he's whether he's addressed that, uh, it seems it seems like it worked anyway. Well, it just makes um, the thing as well. You look, you know, Charlton didn't look particularly great against us at all. Did I don't they created an opportunity on goal? But this is it. If you get your, shape, you get your defensive shape exactly, right, then exactly. yeah. If you get your defensive shape Portsmouth right, then it, the it's just it is. It's just it's just makes you more frustrating remembering that that Portsmouth game. But again, we'll try and not go back. While we're dishing out praise, Charlie White continued praise. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a month. bit of a turnaround for him. This isn't it? Because yeah. he's 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 gone from zero to hero quite quickly, hasn't he? I wouldn't go as far as hero, but you know he's gone from it's zero. It's just a to, phrase. It's just a phrase yeah, that yeah. worked. It he's worked. gone from zero to not completely useless. <laughs> so it doesn't know. have the Which same is, ring to it that yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. You'll never get that as a as a phrase or a cliche. Your thoughts, Phil, on Charlie Wake's turnaround or mini yeah, turnaround? Very, very like we say, we'll not get carried away. He's, he's gone from zero to seven for me in play rate <laughs> um, No, I think he's been. I think he's been really effective. Um, fair play to him. I thought Saturday, in particular, I thought his you know his his hold up play was good. Um, I think it was a strange one with Wake earlier in the season, wasn't it? Because when when sort of the I get that the, obviously the management are always going to defend their play and what have you, but it was always like. Oh, you know, he hasn't. It's he hasn't scored the goals, but it's not always about the goals. And it was like, well, that's not actually the problem. The problem is not just that he's not scoring; it's that he's not doing all those other things that you need your centre forward to do. Um, and his levels, I think, had dipped. I think off the ball, he wasn't bringing anywhere near as much as he as he needed to. But I think in the last few games, you know, his 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 pressing has been much better. He's won an awful lot more headers. Um, so yeah, whether it's just competition, well, whether it's something that he's talked about with the manager, I don't know, but. I think in the last three or four games, to to give him credit, I think he's been a really really effective centre forward, and I, you know I, th- I imagine he'll be playing up front tomorrow night, and I don't think that will really draw any debate, which I suppose is you know the biggest compliment you can play him really. Yeah, definitely alongside him, I guess, isn't it? That's the that's the, that's yeah, the question, isn't it? Well, yeah. we we we'll, we'll get to that now. Then we'll we'll um we'll, we'll get to that just now. Any, anything else to wrap up on the game? Any any concerns, Phil, from anybody? Because you know, man for man, really, uh, I don't think anybody come out with massive criticism. Or Brian, perhaps. I don't think a lot of Sunderland fans. I know we've already we, we've touched on O'Brien already, but besides that, I think it looked quite looked quite solid and steady again. Yeah, I think so. It was one of the my, my concerns. You know, it's it's more what what I alluded to earlier that some of the attack and play was was pretty poor in patches. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I don't think there's any kind of glaring concerns other than the ones that we've been discussing for the best part of two months. You know, in terms of that finishing and whether we can get a little bit more out of those forward players, and and that's where I guess the Grig dis- discussion comes into it. And I'm interested as well in terms of how you get Scowen and Maguire into the same side because I think both of them are players I'd like in the team, but at the moment in Parkinson's head they seem to be you know pushing for the same position. Um, and so I, that's that's something I'd like to see them both in there, um, but I'm not quite sure how he's going to manage that. Mm, Gooch is an interesting one as well. Keeps getting shifted around different places. I mean, yeah. just a, a word for him, really, because if there's anybody in the entire Sunderland squad who you want in the last minute of a breakaway to be the person who carries the ball, holds off a couple of defenders and scores, it would be Lyndon Gooch, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, he, he brings he brings something different. We've all talked about a lack of pace in the squad, um, and that's still there. And you know, Gooch isn't necessarily 
the fastest player, but he is the only player in the squad who can do that, isn't he, really? I don't think any other player in the Sunderland squad would have been able to kind of score that goal in the way he did. Um, yeah, he's, he's been unlucky this season because we've obviously seen Partinson try to switch the system a bit to get that extra striker in. And he's the player who's who's kind of missed out, really, and he's had to be shifted around the pitch to, to make way for it, which in, in a lot of ways has probably been quite unfair on him, really. Hmm. Anything else to add from the game, Gareth, before we move on to the Ipswich? No, not really. Just, we never talked about Steve Evans, did we? So, all the <laughs> touchline beef, but... Oh yeah, There was a bit where the camera like zoomed in on the dugouts and it was like just like Steve Steve Evans just clearing his nose and I just thought, oh <laughs> what a sight that is at like twenty past one on a Saturday afternoon. I mean that's you know it almost makes you wish it always makes you wish for you know, full scale lockdown and no football again for the next six months once you've witnessed that like but, Careful you know, what you wish for there, mind. <laughs> Um, touchline tantrums I call it Phil do you want to sort of have you seen any well, I mean you've seen you've seen Steve Evans Steve Evans before but can you just sort of shed a bit more light as to I think, how I think there's was people down in, there? the, in Greenland who've seen Steve Evans and they could see him on Saturday from their house it's just looking it's, out the window. It's, it's funny you know because it's just obviously like the lack of fans just means you can't really avoid it and like honestly the first half an hour of the game it was like there was more energy in the two dugouts than there was on the pitch. Like it was just, it was just farcical. But it was just the whole thing just had a strange dynamic to it because, like, even even Sunderland, like in the first ten minutes, every time the linesman made a decision, you had Tom Flanagan coming over, and he was going, "Are you all right, mate? Are you feeling all right today?" Like, and just everyone was just like on the whole way through. And then there was just so many like like proper like partridge moments. So like there was one, I think Sunderland finally had a foul given for them about 20 minutes in and like the whole ground just went silent and then you just heard Phil Partinson shout like hallelujah like this was <laughs> just like it was, you know and it was just common it was just it was just bizarre and Evans was just yeah just just amazing he was just shouting superstar superstar at the referee after every decision it was just like yeah it was bizarre but you know the, we alluded to it before I did think early on someone got way too sucked into that and you saw Gooch get booked for chasing the referee about 30 yards down the pitch and screaming at him. Um, but I thought the second half they were much better in terms of they had a much more composure about them. But Evans is just funny as well because like he always talks Sunderland up in his post-match press conferences. And you know that's because he's like definitely thinking, oh, you never know one day. Oh, you never know like, one day. He is, these owners would give him the job. Like, but Absolutely, you can tell, without I a remember doubt. After the FA Cup game, he was like, Oh, it's such a privilege to be here on an FA Cup day. I remember Bob Stoke oh, and all this. And I'm sitting there thinking, Nah, he's, he's thinking to himself, One day, one day. He's got the Leeds mine. job, so you can, <laughs> oh, you can never rule it out. I just can't. You can never rule it out. He got the Leeds job. Let's just never forget that. He's so. not even their worst manager that they appointed in that period. <laughs> they appointed like. Literally, the epitome. I think he has got like a bit. He's in, got a bit of a cult David status. Hockey. Yeah, he's got a bit of a cult status there, actually, hasn't yeah. he? I think. I, I, don't think, think I don't think it's cult status. I think. <laughs> I think it's a different world. Than you might have no, I, I don't. I don't think they mind him there. I think. I, I never <laughs> think they, they didn't want him. They didn't want him for the for the job, obviously. But I think they yeah, I mean, understood that. I think they they feel that in the in the circumstances in the in the um, environment. He was working. He did, he did as well as anybody else could have. I think it's the general consensus I always get from Leeds fans. Uh, I sound like I'm talking about myself now. Which yeah, is, I was going to say that. Like, no, no. 
No, let's 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 be clear. No, I mean, it would be it it's would a no be, for me, Clive. It would be funny for a bit, and then it for would the f- and then it would be cripplingly yeah. sad afterwards for, for a long time, for the for the entirety of his um, two and a half year deal. But I, I just thought I just one last one. This one I just thought it like absolutely summed it up that he didn't watch a replay of the penalty. And then came out and said it was absolutely disgusting. And then had to like get in touch with the local journalists after to clarify that he'd now seen the replay and it was the correct decision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair I play him for doing that, by the way. Fair play him for acknowledging he'd been wrong. But I just thought that was, I thought, what a life, what a life that is. Love it. Oh, that's that's quite funny. I didn't realise that. Um, yeah, don't know of that. His own, uh, his right. own sort of VAR, like little setup in the house. He like went home and. Went over to the monitor and had a look, and then overruled his opinion and called the journalist. So, well, yeah, interesting, right? <laughs> it's not that interesting, really. We'll have a little. I think that is interesting. Uh, we'll have um, a little break now, then, and then we'll come back and we'll spend five ten minutes talking about the Ipswich game that is upcoming. Gareth, do you know any decent discount cords floating around oh. for terrace attire? For terrace attire. Well, there's a, the only disc, discount code you need is WMS10, um, and you can use that at fromtheterraces.co.uk. Um, 10% off your basket um, on, you've got, you know, your your long-sleeve polos, your short-sleeve polos, your jackets, variety of, ja- variety of jackets, jackets, you know, coming out of... More jackets than Steve Evans could fit up his ass, and that's a lot of jackets. I was waiting for a partridge line was coming there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your short sleeve polos of this world and your long sleeve yeah. polos of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah all go, sorts. Yeah, all sorts. Um, so go, go to from the terraces uk. Use the code WMS10 to get ten percent off your basket. Brought out uh, a junior range now as well. Oh yeah, saw that. It looks quite good, yeah. doesn't it? If you've got children. So if you want, uh, you know, or if you to, just like Chris Weatherspoon and Tiny, you know, <laughs> ideal yeah. for him as well. It's probably from his feedback why, it, why, <laughs> yeah. why uh, yeah. this has been an angry from. box, angry note in the box. <laughs> this XXS size <laughs> adult um, T-shirt is too big, and I'm using it as a sleeping bag or a tent uh, in the summer. Um, that's what he was telling us in the group chat, anyway, but. Sorry for broadcasting that, Chris. Get, get I mean, on that. Yeah. Get on it. WMS10, get your 10% off. Um, and as the cold weather comes in, go and get yourself some jackets and other suitable attire. Yeah. Uh, for for going leave. out. You will be out yeah, a lot for in the next in the house, weeks, For staying so. in the house over yeah. the next month. If you want to save money um, on your heating, I mean, normally, you know, you might go out a bit more and you wouldn't have to put it on. So now you're well, just get yourself dressed more. up for the matches exactly. anywhere and then just wear this <laughs> stuff for the match and then, uh, you know, have some sort of experience in front of the telly where you maybe make a fake <laughs> stand or something you know those people <laughs> you know those people who used to who used to play a championship manager and try and make it as realistic as possible and set up like little dugouts and stuff i wouldn't go that far tell anyway. you what we'll do we should do a competition we'll get we shall speak to chris right i've got i've just it's just coming to me now so if you're listening chris um you know this you've got chris to do it you've got to do it yeah not not, not, not i don't want anything yeah. to do with chris weatherspoon outside <laughs> of the podcast chris Chris Blythe, uh, who is the the from the terraces overlord, let's do a competition where you can win, say a prize bundle of stuff. Right, send you send a picture of your match day setup. The more elaborate, the better. 
you know, if you want to, if you want to go for it, go for it, and then you can win something. <clears throat> Let's yeah, see. That, that's the idea I've floated. Let's see you're if Chris Cotton's on the side. Business and marketing ideas for him on yeah. live. I think that's right. a good idea. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good idea. Let's see what Chris says. If we don't do it, he doesn't think it's a good idea. We'll see. WMS 10, go and get your stuff. Yeah, right. You do that. Sunderland are playing Ipswich on Tuesday. I think, like I said at the start, um, you like the games coming around thick and fast when you're winning. Um, there was a lot of negative attitude towards Sunderland's start of the game on Saturday. And we said the penalty was the, the missed penalty was certainly the turning point of the game. So what we don't want to pretend is that if Sunderland suddenly lose to Ipswich, the fans are going to be happy about it. But on the other hand, if they win, the season looks like a really good start again. So this is an important game against the side up there because they failed the Portsmouth test um, test field, didn't they? Yeah, I think that's that's the key context, isn't it? It's off the back of that Portsmouth game whereby you know the teams that they'd played who we expected to be up there early in the season, they'd done pretty well against Charlton. They should have beaten, but then of course you could say, well, you know, Charlton at that point didn't really have their squad in place. Um, Oxford did beat but of course Oxford have been terrible since then um, Peterborough was a good win could have gone either way but a very good win so I think off the back of that Portsmouth game I think it will be quite a sort of big test and I think people will be looking to see how they respond to it um, you know Ipswich have had a couple of good results but the indications from down there seem to be that they haven't played particularly well certainly against Crew. Um, so yeah it'll be, be an interesting game but I do think that people will see it as a significant one coming quite quickly after that Portsmouth game yeah, which is I mean they lost two games in a row and they got stuffed at Doncaster and they lost to Lincoln up there as well I, I was actually looking at a, an Ipswich report on the game <clears throat> uh, the crew game and like you say Phil you know not not good uh, mm-hmm. in terms of performance and we remember what did, crew well, were like I did up. watch um, I did watch some of that game the well, crew, Ipswich what, game and I, did, I thought the, the crew were on top um, and then Ipswich scored um, and but they didn't. I watched. I saw a bit of the game against Blackpool as well, um, and the very, it was very similar to the way we play. Um, they they were kind well, of didn't do anything, and well, I, I say the way we play more last season, where we didn't really do anything, just kind of in, in the end, just overpowered them with like having just better players. That was without any real pattern of play or anything like that. Well, the the report I read said, <clears throat> and this is talking about Crew. The visitors will count themselves unlucky after dominating and having better chances. And that was the summation of the game. So, I mean, crew were disgusting against us, weren't they? We, we could have been 5-0 up. All right, Steve Evans. Quite early on in that game. Sorry? <laughs> I says, all right, Steve Evans. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was only know, crew second. It's, not, maybe, it's not a lot of golf. Yeah. It's not a lot of golf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyone can have a poor game. But. Only crew second ever away game as well. So, you know, obviously you have to play in our, the first at our, at our place in a week. So, you know, the, maybe you just got none of them, the pressure of playing away from home for the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they did have lots of chances and, you know, I wouldn't say they were carving the moment. It was just more like pressure, like lots of bodies in the box. Well, if, you know, trying to like get shots away that were blocked. It wasn't like the keeper was making like loads of saves. It's just he had kind of some half chances. Um, but like Ipswich weren't exactly like knocking down the door at the other end. You know, it, it was pretty 
vanilla really and the goal is from set piece I think like a short corner well you, you, you look at Ipswich's results and you know they've only this, this is the thing with them isn't it and, and, and the, they got accused of this last season starting really well but not really playing anybody and then their form um, fell off a cliff didn't it I guess that's been a, a criticism that's been levelled at Sunderland as well though really hasn't it and I would say this season obviously after tomorrow night we'll have played of the ten games we've played we'll have played four of the top six in our first ten games I know Oxford have had a bad start but we also played them who and they were the playoff finalists last year um, obviously we beat them beat Peterborough um, I believe are currently top yeah um, three of them top aren't they there yeah. three teams joined top and of lost, them lost to Portsmouth um, drew with Charlton so it's not I think that's you know I think that's more frustrating you know yeah you're going to lose your game against the, the teams who are at a similar level to you um, you just got to make sure you don't Drop points, you know, to to team like to you know go to Rochdale and draw two all. I think that's where you where you let things slip. Um, get through those tough games, and on what I've seen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a nil nil draw. No, oh, come on, negative. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm not being negative. Let, let's I'm, let's, I'm, let's have I'm a look. Just at... I don't. I think we can beat them, but just I just think based on what I've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if we just cancel each other out. Yeah, their last eight games are beat Rochdale, drew with Milton Keynes, beat Blackpool, beat Accrington, lost to Doncaster, lost to Lincoln, beat Gillingham, beat Crew. So, um. Yeah, this this will tell us, won't we? We keep saying this, don't we? And we we, we said well, before the Rochdale game, this will tell us where Sunderland are as a team. And of course, they played crap and drew the game, but then they backed that up with a with a decent win against a side who aren't easy to roll over at their own ground. So, this really might tell us <laughs> now where we are because it's again, it, look, Ipswich are joint top, and it's clear at the beginning of this season, Peterborough, Ipswich, Lincoln, Hull, Charlton, Sunderland, the top six, Portsmouth, the seventh, Doncaster, the eighth. And those eight look clearly better than everyone, I think. Or Fleetwood. Cause I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Nobody's pulling away anyway. So a win, a win would feel good, wouldn't it? And make this look like a well, really good yeah, it would. But it would make it look like a really good start, <coughs> wouldn't it? I tell you what, it's, it's a brave man who writes Steve Evans off this early in the season. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be so foolish. No, I'm, I'm expecting a game of... Very tight margins, and afterwards I'll be like, I'm still not really sure what I think of the Sunderland team. Maybe like this have, is the one where the we turn it on. We turn, you know, yeah, we, we feel like we've been seeing now for how many years? Um, Sunderland are going to spank somebody one day and really, really go to town. Uh, I think we did that with Tramley last season, but that's the only one I can remember that uh, happened. I mean, I, I think since the Jack Ipswich, Ross early days. I think Sunderland Ipswich are actually probably in a similar boat where I don't think there's any doubt they're going to be sort of top six. Um, the, the question that both teams probably have is whether they have enough to turn that into you know, the top two um, and I think that's the question I'm still not sure about with Sunderland and it seems like that's the same with Ipswich and yeah it'll be interesting to see if either team can kind of answer any questions on that front tomorrow <clears throat> Interesting anybody got any solid prediction on that? I just get, I said nil nil, didn't I so there's your solid prediction I'm going, that's, a really I bore, that's a really boring crap be, prediction I wouldn't be you know, if we'd beaten Rochdale and we drew drew tomorrow night, that's you know, an extra three points to the total, so we'd have what twenty one points, and that I think would. You don't be think would you don't you don't think we'll score, Gareth? Um, I'm not saying. Are we, is it is the only the Charlton game we haven't scored this season? Uh, 
might be. And we like actually like, and we're missing open goals from three yards and stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm, not, I'm just saying what I've seen. I just wouldn't be surprised. And obviously, we had a, you know, <coughs> the consistency of the games. You know, and it was you know difficult one on Saturday with the weather, and you know you saw how tired players were at the end. Um, I think, I think we're scoring. Be... I think we're scoring, and I think if it, I think if Ipswich don't score, we win the game. Personally, okay. Phil, any any thoughts? I'll go one nil Flanagan at the Get back. Decent post. price for that. Mm. There you go. Heard us here first and last. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Anybody else? Anything to add before we uh, wrap things no. up? No, that's not, quite, that's not been on the head. Right, quite an emphatic no. That I think well, the thing uh, is, on now it's like the amount of games has actually ruined kind of Rory and Matthew because like now they've got to be semi-serious on a Thursday, so that's that knack for them. I guess they can be idiotic on a Saturday in the reaction pod, but that's kind of I don't know what will happen with that now. So you know, it's ruined it for them really. So let let's let's give them some something to talk about on Thursday. Yeah, and a one nil. I'm going for one nil as well. I th- I think like you say, I just think we tend to score in games, and I, and I think. Like I say, if Ipswich don't score, we win the game, and I think we've defended well enough to stop them from doing that. So you heard it here first, and get off, uh, get off Parky's back for now as well. The people who are on his back, I think it would be hypocritical for us to say how comfortable and how well we've started the season to then turn on him after two games, where we still picked up a point in those two games. I think you know, let's not be so reactive all the time about everything. Okay. What was that podcast called that we did after about five games or something? Was it just just Sack Phil? I think it was. <laughs> yeah, that was, was that was very different to this. Very different to this. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just want to make sure that you know people are aware we did that so they can you know call us hypocrites. No, we we'll own it. That was that was totally different. We were losing and drawing every week, and we we'll were playing hoof, if we were playing hoofball we'll re- at the yeah, time. Yeah. We'll re-release it if we go up. <laughs> right. Thanks as always for listening. <laughs>